Do you love movies? Do you love TV? Do you love when people give their opinions about your favorite movies and TV shows? Then you'll love Nadie and Katie and the movies. I'm ready! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Nady and Katie at the Movies. I am your host, Nathan, a.k.a. Nady, of course, and with me on this journey of movies and TV is... Katie! That's right. Hi, Katie. How are you? I'm good. You know, it would be nice. We can't go the other way. You have to go by Nady so that it rhymes, but what if I went by Kathan? That would be stupid. Why would... No. (laughs) What? Okay. I'm not changing the name again. Nathan and Katie. I just bought our new merch for our new name, and I can't change it again. Can't keep wasting money on, on merchandise, which we do have. And you can message us at Facebook or Instagram to get either stickers, T-shirts, mugs, whatever you want. You can have our faces on it for a price. I want that. I want that. Yeah. So on today's episode, we're going to be talking about Two movies, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 1 and 2. They're back-to-back because they take place like just a couple of months after each other. So that's why we're watching these movies. So, Katie, had you seen these movies before, both of them? We're coming close into the territory of things I've never seen. But I have seen both of these movies. Yet, it was still long enough ago that I didn't really remember. So, like, it was still, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I know exactly what's going to happen. Except for in the second one, I knew that his dad was going to be bad. I, I'm going to be honest. I only rewatched the first one because, in my opinion, the first one has to do with Infinity Stones a lot more than the second one did. Granted, the second one introduces a couple new characters. And actually, something really big does happen in the second one that was pretty sad. But we'll get to that when we start talking about the second movie. So let's dive into... Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. I remember when this movie came out, a lot of people were hesitant about it because it was a Marvel property that not a lot of people were familiar with. Um, Until this point, it was like, you know, Iron Man and characters that people were familiar with. And then they come out with this random movie and it had Chris Pratt in it and a couple other people. Dave Bautista, who's usually known for wrestling. He's a wrestler. And so he's, you know, one of the many wrestlers turn actors nowadays. And he was in this movie. And yeah, a lot of people weren't sure exactly what they were going to get with this film. And then people went to go see it and it actually did extremely well. I think it was like one of the biggest money makers for Marvel up until that point, which was surprising again, because it was a property that wasn't as familiar as Captain America and other things like that. So Katie, what did you think of volume one? I agree with some of the hesitancies. Like you said, I think Chris Pratt is just such a funny person. So you're like, is he too funny to take seriously as a superhero? I thought it was really good. I thought that it was funny. I loved, um, actually Vin Diesel is the voice of Groot who everybody loves. And, um, the little raccoon, which is not a raccoon is Bradley Cooper. I thought it was fantastic. I thought all the characters blended well together. They had good chemistry. It was good acting. And the plot was really good, too. 
This one dives really into Infinity Stones. They basically give you a layout of how the Infinity Stones were created because they go visit the collector uh, who had we had seen in a previous, like I think, post-credit scene with yeah. I think that was Thor: The Dark World, one of the Thor movies. It all, it all makes sense. It all connects. Yeah. Them. So at the end of Thor: The Dark World, they go and visit the collector and leave the red infinity stone. I need to remember the names of the infinity stones before we record these two. I need to do my research before we start recording. Anyway, so they leave this infinity stone with the collector and then in guardians of the galaxy, they are in the search of another infinity stone, the purple one. And they go visit the collector and the collector basically just gives them the whole layout of the infinity stones and how, only certain people with lots of strength can handle these infinity stones, which we'll see in Avengers Endgame. We'll see how that plays out. The purple stone is the power stone, which is that right? I because I the guy basically when you hold this thing, you have like a mega superpower. Yeah, it gives you like a lot of a lot of strength, which. Um, when the collector is talking about this, his, I guess, assistant, slave, person, I don't know what she's supposed to be. But she gets entranced by this Infinity Stone that she takes a hold of it and then essentially explodes and destroys the collector's place. So all these things get uh, released. And so, yeah, that, that was a that was an exciting scene right there. Oh my goodness. I think that uh, I love the music. I thought they did a great job of incorporating all those classic songs, like the ones you wouldn't maybe typically hear in an action scene, right? Instead of having some score of like, pew, pew, epic battle. It's just like this awesome, like 80s song. I thought that was clever. Yeah, I think the Um, soundtrack was one of the best things about this movie. I remember getting the soundtrack, which is rare. I don't usually get movie soundtracks. Because, you know, they're not that big of a deal to me. But I really liked the Guardians of the Galaxy movie soundtrack. Just like you said, had a lot of classic songs in it that really brought back some memories. Even though I wasn't born in like the 70s. I think it was 70s music. I'm pretty sure. It's like 67. I'm pretty sure you're wrong. I'm pretty sure. Okay, whatever. you're right. They try to, um, I feel like they want you to think music is a big part of it. I mean, even just like volume one volume two and like his the whole thing with um he's got his little tape player it's definitely a big theme that and humor i feel like are big themes yeah well the music really brings him back to a simpler time like when his mom was around and because his mom is the one that gave him the the walkman with the cassette in it and so at the end of the movie he finds a box that has uh, a cassette in it and it says volume two. So that's, that's how they set up that there is going to be a sequel, but going back to the infinity stones, cause we were trying to figure out what the names were. The purple infinity stone. I think you said this was the power stone. I think you said that. Of course I was. And um, be quiet. And the one that we are introduced to in Thor, the dark world, the ether is the reality stone. So you can change reality, alter things which I think Scarlet Witch has that ability just naturally because that's how she sets up WandaVision 
and alters reality. She already has that power within her. So, oh, yeah. So, yeah. Wait, that's confusing. Yeah, she's like built in with, with the ether, I guess, which probably will be explained more in future movies. But going back to the Guardians of the Galaxy, we're introduced to this ragtag team of rebels and crazies and thieves. And they, you know, obviously end up bonding and becoming friends. Also, another character that we have previously seen is Ronan, who was first introduced in Captain Marvel. So he's in this. And also, there is another character that was in Captain Marvel. Uh, I don't remember the character's name, but he was on the side of the Kree. And he actually hunts down, because they're all hunting down the same thing. And so while they're hunting down the same thing, they come in contact with Peter Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord who is trying to get this for his, I don't want to call him his friend, but Yondu, who is actually the character who took him when he was a boy. So that's basically Guardians of the Galaxy in a nutshell. They don't use the term Guardians of the Galaxy till the end. So it's it's another one of those like creation. So it's the first ep- it's the first movie of many where it's like, this is how the Guardians of the Galaxy came about and how they, you know, because they kind of pick up people as they go. And I think they do a great job of having, you know, like in a friend group, you always want to have the one that does this and the one that does that. So, like, you've got the lead guy. You've definitely got to have a girl. Got the, like, brawn. You've got the humor. You've got, like, the the tech person. I guess the raccoon's kind of like, what's his name? It's not raccoon. He would be he would be offended if I said Rocket. that. Rocket. There you go. Um, Rocket's kind of like your pilot slash technology guru then you've got Groot this giant tree who's like kind of like the Hulk I would say Mm -hmm. kind of fits the role of like I just destroy things well and then and then he he saves everyone at the end of the movie from being destroyed by this big explosion that's going on and you know there's that little sentimental moment where Rocket's like no if you do this you're gonna die why are you doing this? And then for the first time, because usually he just says, I am Groot. But for the first time, he says, he says, we are Groot. But listen, as corny as that could have been, I actually appreciate it. No, it was. It was very sentimental. They did a really good job at balancing the humor and having some serious moments. I think they did a really good job with that. But um, so, yeah, they are saved from this explosion. And Groot is is brought down to a little seedling. And by the end of the movie, it's slowly growing back, which adds humor into the second one, which I guess we can go right into. Well, I was going to say the end of end of uh, Gardens of the Galaxy is like the cutest part. Like, I just remember when I first saw it, how obsessed everyone was with. Oh, you like him, too? Well, yeah, you're kind of like a baby Groot. That's a good point. Everyone was obsessed with Baby Groot because they show Baby Groot like dancing at the end. It's just really cute. And it's like the Baby Yoda. It was like the whole world became obsessed with Baby Groot. And then that's how they start off the next Guardians of the Galaxy. They, I think they took that energy and ran with it because they're like, people are obsessed with Baby Groot. We're going to start our movie with just a whole sequence of Baby Groot. Um, before we move on, though, I have to inform you that it's not Baby Yoda. It's Grogu, Katie. It's Grogu. Yeah, yeah, whatever. So, yeah, they start off Volume 2 with all of the Guardians of the Galaxy fighting this giant monster. And so the opening credits 
is Groot dancing around while everyone is fighting. I think it's probably one of the best opening credit scenes in a Marvel movie, just because it's not just names being put on a screen, but it actually entertains you at the same time. I I concur. I agree. The whole premise of this movie is that Peter Quill finds out who his father is because in the first movie, his mother mentions that his father was like an angel and how he was like full of light. And so the whole question was, who is Peter Quill's father? Well, in this movie, they answer it in a way that a lot of people who are big comic book fans weren't really a big fan of. I mean, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this movie. I think they did a really good job again, mixing humor and and seriousness and, you know, little, little nice little moments. And so they brought Kurt Russell, a classic actor to come in and play Peter Quill's father. And then it's revealed who he really is. So Katie, what did you think of volume two? I think that I liked volume one better, but there was, I think there was a lot more humor in this second one. I think they were a lot more intentional with humor. So like I definitely laughed a lot more and I also cried a lot more. So it, it ends on like a, one of those happy, sad kind of moments. And I, I legit felt multiple emotions. So I thought that was good. And I love, absolutely love, I know it's kind of dorky, but I am obsessed with the Mantis character. She can like read emotions and she's kind of like Drax, the character where they're, they're just sort of like naive and they're very literal. So I find her and Drax's humor hysterical. They really upped the humor with the Drax character. I think Dave Bautista did a really good job in the first one. But yeah, they really bumped up his humor a lot because his character has a really hard time processing sarcasm and and little sayings like that. And so he takes everything so seriously and he takes himself so seriously. And I think doing that brings a lot of humor to the character and then bringing in a character like Mantis who, like you said, is kind of similar in those ways. I think they they really did a good job working off of each other. And from the very beginning, you think that they're supposed to be like love interest, but then he's just such a jerk to her. But he doesn't mean to be. He's like being brutally honest. Yeah, he's literal. He's just like, no, like I don't, I think you're very ugly. <laughs> her character um, reminds me of that um, really soft-spoken Asian girl from the... Uh, pitch perfect movies where she's just talking like this because she's just so like mild mannered and quiet, but then also hysterical. Yeah. Yeah. They, they did a really good job bringing that character in the real, again, the real story of this film was Peter Quill's father and finding out who he is. So in the comics, it is this character named Jason, but doesn't have an a in it. Cause I think they're trying to be cool or something. This character, Jason, comes to Earth, crash lands, meets a, a Earth woman who takes him in, and that's Peter Quill's father. And apparently he was a jerk, and he did all this random stuff. I don't know. I researched it the other day before we recorded this. But in this film, they took a character in the comics that was kind of obscure. It's a really random character for them to choose as his father. But it's a character called Ego. And in the comics, Ego is a giant planet that has a human face. Yeah. Yeah. That's how weird it is. And so (laughs) 
<laughs> he he goes around, he destroys things, but in the comics, he's sometimes considered an ally to the heroes, and sometimes he's considered an ally to the villain characters like Galactus, who literally eats planets. But anyway, we'll move on from the comics. Eats him for breakfast. Yeah, he. So, so you're saying? See, this is one of those times where maybe it benefits me to not to have read them because I'm not going to come in with a preconceived notion. I had no idea. Well, that's why a lot of people thought it was random that they picked um, that character to be Peter Quill's father. But in the movie, Peter Quill's father comes to Earth and he's trying to make every planet himself because hence the name ego he tries to yeah, aren't we all he tries to put a little bit of his power into every planet he visits and he um he does that by um having sowing his seed having lots of children yes. lots and lots exactly. of children and one of those children is peter quill and so he's trying to bring peter to his planet to put his power into peter quill and so it's revealed that he's actually uh, kind of a bad guy. It's also revealed, too, though, that Peter Quill's like half deity. Yeah. It's kind of a big deal. So the name Star-Lord kind of comes into play because, yeah, he is half um, half of a god. And so that's why in the first film he was able to hold on to the Power Stone for so long because he has that part of him that's just super super powerful. And this is kind of where the second one kind of went over the top for me, just how over the top the villain became. And it kind of reminded me of the Hulk movie that we all tried to forget that wasn't even supposed to be tied into the MCU at all, but they made this movie and in the film, Bruce Banner's father ends up being the main bad guy. And there's a part in the movie where he takes on the power of electricity basically and forms into an electric bad guy who can travel through clouds. It was well, it's like Pikachu. It was terrible. It was a terrible film. And so in those aspects, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 kind of reminded me of that just because of how over the top the villain's powers were. Now Granted, in the context of the comics, it makes sense because he's not just a human. He's actually part of this planet. This planet is him. And so it made more sense in this film, but it just gave me a lot of old school Hulk movie vibes that I wasn't a fan of, which is why I think I like the first one a lot better than the second one. Even though the second one I still consider a fun movie. It's a wild ride. It's crazy. It's over the top. It's a lot funnier than the first film. But I think my favorite part of volume two is the character of Yondu. Yeah, Yondu's the blue guy that's got the, he's got this like sh uh, shark's fin type thing on his head. And then I guess it's, so he doesn't have superpower, but when he wears that thing on his head, that allows him to like direct this arrow and the arrow can just, Zoom, 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 and like go through and like kill everybody without him moving really a muscle. Yeah. And all he, he does it all by whistling. Which, which in the first one, they kind of gave you a little taste of that. But in this one, there was an epic scene that he basically just kills all of these people in this prison just with the one arrow. 
And so it was, it was just a really epic scene. But I think my favorite part, which it was a, a little sentimental part, is near the end when they're they're fighting all the bad guys and Yondu is floating down. And so Peter says to him, hey, you look like Mary Poppins. And Yondu says, is he cool? And, he, and Peter says, yeah, he's cool. And so Yondu says, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. And so that was like one of the most quoted parts of the movie. But then near, near the very end, because Yondu is the one who essentially kind of adopted him. And you think that Yondu hates him the whole first movie. But in this one, you realize that... He, yeah, because he's trying to kill him. Well, yeah, he tries to kill him. But in this one, you realize that he was trying... Because he was supposed to take him back to Ego. In the um, That was the main mission for him. And he decided not to because of what a jerk Ego was. Because he knew that Ego was going to try to kill him too. And so you realize that he actually did care about Peter. And he says, you know, he may have been... He may have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy. And I love that line. It's one of those, you know, a lot of the Marvel movies have those classic lines in them that just hit you. They hit you hard. And so that was a really great line. That was a really great. great. I, I agree. I feel like when he says that line about, you know, it, he's saying that line. The reason that makes it even more sentimental and powerful is what you, you kind of start gathering the fact that there's only two of them left on the planet. So everybody else kind of gets out as this planet's being destroyed. And you kind of you kind of start realizing, okay, only one of them is going to make it out because because um, Rocket hands them just he says, hey, I only have one of these. So you kind of you start putting two pieces together of like, okay, Yondu's probably going to sacrifice himself, and so that's what makes it even more powerful. Is he's says this line, hey, you know, he he might have been your father, but I was your daddy, kind of thing. And then as soon as he says that, he essentially sacrifices himself to in order to save. Chris Pratt. What's his name again? Peter Quill. That guy. Yeah. The Quill. Yeah. Yeah. It was- it's just very sad. I, Nathan, I don't know if it's because of like being a mom now, but I do not remember getting so emotional. When I watched it uh, the other day, I was like tears streaming down my face for pretty much the entire what, remaining 15 minutes of the movie when Yondu dies. In the first movie, he's like a bad guy. And halfway through this movie... It's shocking how attached I got to him. Oh, and we forgot to say, uh, spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, oh, and one more thing before we go into our ratings. There was a random cameo in, I believe, the second one, and it was Sylvester Stallone. Oh, that is true. Sylvester Stallone was in this film. He plays the leader of another uh, group of rebels and crazy thieves and stuff called the Ravagers and um, Yondu used to be a member of that group. And for some reason, I think it's because of the infinity stone and him not actually getting it. They actually kick him out of the group. But by the end of the film, of course, because he sacrifices himself, they give him a, a Ravager, a Ravager funeral send off with fireworks and, and a big celebration of his life. So I thought that was kind of cool that he was in the film. I think they said they were hinting that, they were going to be in future films as well because I guess they're a big part of the comics. I don't know. Again, I don't read the comics. So yeah, that's Guardians of the Galaxy Volumes 1 and 2. Fun films. 
So I guess we'll get into our Infinity Stone rating. If you're listening for the first time, this is what we do. We take the films and we give them a one to six rating because there are only six Infinity Stones. And so we'll start with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. And I will, I'll take this one first. So I think that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 was a really fun film. It was very random. And I love random things. So I like the humor. I like the balance of humor and seriousness. So I would give Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 a solid 4. That's lower than that I That is pretty low. That is pretty low. Okay, uh, fine. Okay, how about, I'm going to give it a 5. I'm going to give it a 4.5. Personally, 4.5. Okay, there you go. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, it's a perfect blend to me of humor and also action and also a little bit of emotion, not too much. And I also think, in general, one of the coolest parts about Marvel is the Avengers. And, I mean, the way Guardians of the Galaxy works is it's essentially it's its own Avengers movie. You know, you've got each character and what they bring to the table. So it's like a miniature Avengers. Yeah. So I will let you take Volume 2 first. Well, I didn't like that I cried the whole ending. That made me sad. But um, probably one of the funniest parts of the movie to me as, as well as the Mary Poppins part, is uh, at the very, very end in the final credit scene, you see baby Groot finally begins growing up, and he's like teenage Groot, and he's acting sassy like a teenager would. Um, but I think they did a great job with Groot in the second one, too. They kept making him mess up stuff, and I liked it just as much as the first one, so I'm going to give it also a five. Awesome. Okay. Cool. Hi. <laughs> oh, hold on. Oh, okay. Ben, ben what do you think? What did you say, Ben? You disagree? Yeah. Okay. So I'm. I would give um, volume two probably. That's the one I would give a four to, because I liked it up until the point that the villain was just too over the top for me. It was just too over the top. But everything else in the film was great. The humor was great. The acting was great. It was a great film. It's just the over the top villain. I don't know. It just again, it reminded me of the over top villain who just so happened to be the father in the old Hulk movie. So that's why I'm going to give that a four. So now we get to move on to what our homework's going to be, and we're finally diving into the Netflix Marvel series. And so we're going to dive into the first one, Daredevil Season 1. So if you're following along, you're going to be watching Daredevil Season 1. It is on Netflix. So... You don't have Netflix. I'm sorry. This is, um, I have not seen this at all. In fact, at least Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I knew who Coulson was. Daredevil, I know absolutely nothing about. So it should be interesting to uh, to endeavor on this, to go on this journey yeah. of Daredevil. Now, I'm just warning you now. I mean, I love Daredevil. I think Daredevil is a great Netflix series. But the other ones that we're going to dive into later, um, some of them aren't that great. Some of them are downright poopy, but we're going to struggle through this together because we're doing it for the fans. Thank you for listening, everybody. You guys are great. Um, I love the interaction that we're getting on our Instagram and our Facebook and all of our social media, Twitter, all those fun stuff. We really love hearing from you guys. As always, if there's something that you want us to watch that it's outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we may take an episode to just review something that someone uh, suggests us to watch. So thank you for listening, and as always, we review movies 
because we can. Bye. That's right. Bye. Thanks for listening to Nadie and Katie at the Movies. Feel free to leave us a review so people can find the show. Follow us on all our social media platforms. And if there's a movie that you wish for us to watch, you can contact us at nadieandkatie at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.